0: My belief is that the most transformational thing I can do is actually create a comfort zone with a group of people and then show people what that feels like. And just through being in a comfort zone, that's how people will feel the transformation.
1: When's the last time you met someone out and about or walked into a room where you were like, whoa, this is my home. This is my tribe or that's my person. That's my new best friend feels like as we get older, those moments seem to be less and less, like those moments of magic, like first day of school, right? Or there's a new exchange student or whatever that is. We're uh, taking a new karate class. Like it just feels like these moments and the space for magic disappears more and more as we get older. And so today's guest is someone that intentionally creates that, brings that magic into our lives so we can have more fun, play, and connection. And she is just one of the best at it I've been able to experience work so many times um and i'm grateful for it every time so if you're curious about bringing more of that joy fun playful connection into your life finding more of those moments of magic uh, stick around and and, and check this one out welcome to the dream beyond i'm your host nick tarasio i'm a ceo musician and overall seeker of truth inspiration and simply put how to live the most fulfilling life possible Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on the Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. All right, everybody, thanks for being here. I'm here with a renowned keynote speaker and visionary in fostering cultures of connection and belonging, dedicated to transforming how individuals and organizations cultivate meaningful relationships. She has 15 years of expertise. Uh, She's developed a specialized curriculum at NYU, completed 6,500 hours of intensive training in relationship dynamics, and delivered over 300 keynotes to top organizations. And her signature keynote, which I got to be a part of, I think, three times now, uh, was The Magic of Human Connection which uh, she's facilitated over 1 million hugs with it, created life-changing moments for attendees, and, and it has earned accolades as an absolutely life-changing experience, again, I can attest to that, that has profoundly impacted personal and professional growth for so many people. Please welcome Jessica Ansel everybody.
0: Nick, Thanks you crossed the here. intro. <laughs> thank you so yeah. much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you also to anyone here listening. I hope that if you're here listening to our podcast with me and Nick, that you know, by the end of your experience listening, that it's just, it's uplifting, it's nourishing, it gives you like actionable things that you can do to connect more to the love inside you, to the love all around us and just really, just be supportive. So I hope that this podcast is supportive and I'm really excited to have everyone here who's listening as well. So thanks for being with us.
1: Best intro ever, honestly. (laughs) Like, I, I love that. You're just like, I'm here, this is what's up, here's my intention. I love that. So one of the reasons that this episode is really important to me is... Uh, being at your event, being at at the the magic of human connection, it really brought to perspective just how much I miss play, how much I miss being like, even when I say childish, almost sounds like that's a bad thing. It's like, oh, don't be childish. Like, no, it feels nice to play like a child, to have fun and just connect in that way of like, who cares what anyone does for a living? Like, who are you? And so that really was the inspiration for this. If I want more of that, I want more of that play and connection in my life. And so I'm really excited to kind of dive in and talk about how that relates to fulfillment, knowing that I'm really happy at the end of your events.
0: Mm, like I'm really happy and best. grounded
1: and connected. Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you, Nick. That's, you were like making my day. Kicking you off the podcast, totally making my day. So thank you. Um, my pleasure. You know, it's true. Like I feel like childish, it can be, you know, I think the best aspect of, of being childish is like the kids are absolute masters of, spontaneity creativity like treating everyone like a new best friend treating the world like a playground so you know childish in the best sense is like staying connected to those qualities our whole lives and I always think it's so funny that you know for many people their creativity peaks at like seven or eight years old or ten years old like I feel like we should get more and more masterful more and more connected to our creativity like every year of our life and it's just such a unique phenomenon that it tends to peak for most people so young. And so I feel like that's just, you know, the genius of, of kids and that energy is how can we just like bring the wisdom of children and that they have that lightheartedness and that spontaneity. And then how do you like merge that with the wisdom of being an adult and then have the best of both worlds combined forces. So. Yeah. I'm I'm super curious and passionate about that too. Like why, why is it that, you know, someone who's a hundred is not the most creative person? Like why is it that a seven-year-old would be more creative than a hundred-year-old typically? I don't know.
1: I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great thought. And I, like, it actually sets up the first question, which is when, when you were little, what did you dream you'd be when you grew up?
0: So there were different phases. Like when I was, For a big portion of when I was like a little kid, I thought I'd be a marine biologist. Like if someone said, asked me when I was like six, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I would be like, I'm a marine biologist because I've always loved bugs, creatures, nature, like the, the colors of different animals, the shapes, like just, I've just always been so fascinated by like all the different beings that we share this planet with. So when I was a kid, like my Nana always jokes that, if there was a bug in the middle of like the swimming pool, I would like jump in with my clothes to like, you know, save a bug, rescue it out of the pool. And actually just realizing I still do that all the time. Like whenever I go, this happens like multiple times a day and it's been very rainy here in Santa Barbara. So like the worms will come out and especially the snails. And so like whenever I see a snail on a path, I'll like relocate it so it doesn't get stepped on. The worst thing is like the sound of when you step on a snail Oh, it's so sad. So I, I feel like I still have that part of me that just, you know, loves all the creatures so much. But then a little bit later in my life, if someone asked me what I wanted to do, I remember I had this conversation with my mom and I said, I don't know what it just it has a criteria and the criteria is it has to light people up and it just has to like bring have a positive impact on the world and light people up and let's see how that ends up looking. But so it started as marine biologist and then it went to lighting people up and then you know it formed into it took more shape but those are kind of probably the two main things that I knew when I was younger
1: That's really cool. I mean even the way you speak about bugs and animals and all that stuff it's it it does imply connection, right? It's like a real sense of connection to what's around us. Where a lot of people are just asleep navigating nature but not really connecting to it.
0: So yeah. that's pretty neat.
1: It seems to be it seems to be a little hint on the on the way
0: <laughs> it is true. I mean, I, I feel like the people who are the wisest know how deeply interconnected everything is. And especially I don't I don't know why, but I've just like I've just always loved all the little beings so much and like just feel like the preciousness of all the little all the little friends we have on our planet. So it is it is true. I've never really thought about how my love of bugs relates to <laughs> magic of human connection, but I think you're right that it's just that that's a really great observation. Um, thank you for that. I'm going to reflect differently on that now, but yeah, I think that's a great observation That is true. It's just like, just the love, the love, love of life, love of other beings in all the different forms that it takes.
1: Uh, Very cool. And so what was, you know, as you were kind of figuring out what was going to be this real focus on connection with intention and having these programs, was there a moment where you're like, oh, I got it. I know what it is. Or was it just a slow evolution over time?
0: It was both. It was like a slow evolution punctuated with like very defining moments. So it was actually a combination of the two. Um, You know, I think since like if I were to think where the evolution started in a way, um, when I was in school, I always was so confused that we were learning all these subjects that I like, I find every subject pretty fascinating. But we would learn math and science and history. And I was like, why is, why aren't those extracurriculars and why isn't everyone learning how to take care of their body, how to have meaningful relationships and how to take care of the planet? Like that to me seemed to be the core subjects that if everyone around the world learned that, that would give humanity like the greatest chance of success as a core foundation and then learning other things on top. And so I was just always so fascinated with that. So I was always drawn to learning about those things and I could find really cool classes on how to take care of yourself and how to take care of the planet. And I just couldn't find like awesome connection curriculum. And so, you know, the gradual part was just always like looking for that and pulling pieces and kind of just like pulling whatever I could from different things that were like in the vicinity. And then there were some really defining moments to what One of them was when my friends had an event series and they said, hey, Jessica, you're always experimenting on us. You're always saying, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Could you just be the host of next month's event series? And that was the first like official Magic of Human Connection where just all these different ideas came through and kind of like this core foundation of how I wanted to structure the experience just came in pretty quickly. And so that was one of those defining moments where I did the session and like everyone cried. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. And I immediately booked another day and invited all my friends who hadn't come to the first one. It was like, this is special. So there were moments and then, you know, it's just the continual gradual like discovery. I feel like I learned literally like every day. I feel like I learned like 50 new things that I'm like, this is so cool. I want to just remember everything and, you know, and synergize it. So
1: that's really cool.
0: ongoing discovery for sure.
1: What? You know, given that you've done so much of this, what is the essence of human connection to you? If someone says like, what does connection mean to you? Because you clearly have a deeper understanding, a deeper perspective. And for whatever reason, connection decides that you're the steward of these kind of experiences and was like, the muse is coming for <laughs> you to tell you what the event's going to be. Um,
0: oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. So, so what is it? What, what is, what is the essence of it? If you had to boil it down?
0: Oh, that's so good. Okay. Before I boil it down, can I throw it back to you for a second and ask? what is the essence that you've experienced through doing the sessions? Like how you experience it? Because I feel like there's probably many essences and everyone feels it differently, but from participating, like what, what have you felt in those moments and what has it meant to you?
1: So two things, I think a lot about mirrors lately and it is so interesting to notice that like, I could hear the voices in my head that are like, this is silly, you look stupid, like don't do that. Like, what are you doing? Like maintain your composure. And I'm like, I can't, I can't (laughs) maintain my composure. I'm kind of just all over the place right now. It's amazing. (laughs) And so I think from that, it's like it really is just seeing other people as mirrors and a very high succession rate. It's like, wow, that person just walked by. What do I see of myself and them? What Uh, do I, and it it could be like things I like and things I don't like, right? It could be a little bit of both. So it's, it really feels like it's a very, beautifully confronting mirror being held up in front of me of like, how do you feel about yourself right now? Who are you? Are you feeling connected to these people? If not, why not? Because everyone there yeah. for the most part is opening up and like inviting it. So if I don't feel it, that's on me. So it's yeah. like a really interesting, I'd say that's the first part. And I think once I get through, it's almost like a space shuttle launch. It's the it's the vibration going out of the atmosphere of like, this is scary and hard. And then all of a sudden I get into orbit And it's, it actually is a great analogy or metaphor because I'm like, I feel weightless. That is such
0: a good analogy. I have the chills. This is so good.
1: Yeah, it really does. It feels like I'm floating and I'm wow. so like, you know, it's like, I don't even need to be held because I'm just floating. Like I'm just on a pillow. And like say like, even those moments when, you know, two people are whispering in my ears and telling me all the things I didn't know I needed to hear. I'm like wow, this is just nice. Like it's just nice. I don't feel the weight of being a human in that moment. I really do think. Like I don't know where that metaphor came from, but it is so on point of what my experience is.
0: Oh my gosh! It that is literally the best definition of the arc that happens in the session that I've ever heard. Like you just absolutely nailed it. It is. It is. It, it's like yeah. It's kind of like escaping the gravitational pull of whatever we're whatever the habitual ways of relating are like whatever like our home planet is but you know like in terms of our home culture it's like you escape the gravitational pull and you have to like move really fast and there's this intense kind of pressure and then all of a sudden it's weightless and it's effortless and like you feel lifted and so that is just so, I, I've had the chills when you were describing that because that's so beautiful and so spot on. Wow. I just, I love that. Thank you for that. That is yeah, so cool.
1: I love that you ask me questions. Very, very rarely does anyone <laughs> ask me anything and I have no preparation. So it's even better. It's like, I guess I just have to see what comes up. So I'm glad it's uh, a meaningful description and I'm, I'm affected by it. I'm like, wow, that really is what it was for me. It's, it's all the it's for confronting all of the things that stop me from connecting and then just you are like jet fuel. The framework is like jet fuel or rocket fuel that just powers you through it to the other side. And you're like, this is worth it.
0: Oh, I love that. You know, it's when you ask me the question of like what would kind of be my definition of, of human connection, my I'm so glad I asked you first because you, what you said just totally expanded how I would define it. And, you know, originally I was going to say something about love, but I feel like even deeper, there's, I feel like there's just core ways of relating that are most, like if it's a continuum and our true nature is here, and then there's like a spectrum of like how close are these rituals, these practices, these conversations, these ways of relating, how close are they to our true nature? And when they're like right spot on, they do feel effortless and so i feel like that's actually a lot of what magic of human connection is is just giving people a sequence of opportunities to relate as close as i've been able to find to that like true nature part of the spectrum and then it should feel effortless it should feel weightless it should feel really good it should feel like like it's not a lift it's a lift to get out of the gra- gravitational force of our cultural patterns but once you're out it actually feels so like sustaining because you're more in your wheelhouse. So yeah, that's kind of redefining my definition or at least one definition is like, you know, human connection should feel good. It should feel effortless. It should feel nourishing and sustaining because ideally you're just getting closer to your core as you do it.
1: Yeah, well, let's build on the metaphor. Are you familiar with, I think it's called the overview effect. Have you ever heard of that before?
0: Actually, you know, it's so cool you made this analogy because one of the events that I'm doing coming up is working with a handful of people who are really deeply involved in space, so like Virgin Galactic Astronauts, and I think it's actually the person who wrote the Overview Effect book. I think his name is Frank, yeah? Okay, I don't so, know. I
1: actually, I, I I don't know who wrote it, but I just for some reason, I'm like, that feels like a thing we should talk about.
0: Yeah, okay. So I do, oh gosh, I was just looking at the other speakers for this event, um, but there's this event that is founded by a different version, galactic astronauts and whatnot, and I'm gonna share a magic human connection because the founder, she said that, I love it, her name's Loretta, and she said that even if humans learn to colonize space, if we take the same problems we had on Earth and just recreate them on other planets, like that's a missed opportunity. And so if we can learn to actually learn from what we've done on Earth and create something new, Like that's how we should be thinking about bringing, you know, expanding into space is not just expanding all the different things that we do here and replicating those, but almost thinking, how can we use this as an opportunity to elevate? So yeah, that it's, when you said the analogy about going to space, I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to, I have not been in a space shuttle, but I'm going to have to use this analogy with a bunch of people that have um, soon. And, and, you know, share that with them. So, yeah, tell me what it makes you think about the overview effect.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm actually looking it up to make sure I understand it properly, but it, it talks about a cognitive shift that astronauts have, where when they view the entire planet in a little tiny circle, and you realize everything that's ever been on this planet, everyone that's ever lived, is viewable in one glance, especially like there was the picture yeah. from the moon that shows a little bit of the Earth there.
0: Oh, and right. Well, they really talked dawn.
1: about, yeah, that like profound connectedness, that profound like wow, we're all in it together. Yeah. And I do think that that is I mean there have been moments when I play music when I'm on stage, there are certain moments of magic that have happened, but it's you consistently three times for me, you've consistently created what I imagine a little bit of that you know cognitive shift, right Like I went in feeling stress or a little shy or unable to connect and came out like, wow, we are really all deeply. Rooted to each other, and and we really do depend on each other in a lot of ways. So I'm like, in some ways, I think you are creating an overview effect, without having anyone, you know, without anyone having to leave the planet. So yes, exactly. Chef's kiss.
0: Chef's kiss. You're hired. You're hired <laughs> as my uh, key messaging, branding metaphor, chief metaphor officer. <laughs>
1: there we go. My wow. dreams are coming true. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh that's so beautiful wow thank you so much for helping me um, really experience the beauty of like one of my favorite things in the world which is sharing these experiences like thank you for giving me the gift of getting to see them in this expanded light like this is really amazing gift for me to hear a, you know a metaphor or analogy or an experience that is so true but I've never thought of it the way that you're describing so
1: mm. really really cool Oh, my pleasure yeah. And, and kind of, you know, building on that, going a little bit deeper into it, I would love to hear again, what you've learned, like what, what, what was surprising? Was there anything about connection that you were like, wow, I did not know until, I mean, you've witnessed probably more people facing the edge of their own connection and having these breakthroughs and having like what I'm now calling the overview effect. What have you learned from that?
0: Oh my goodness. So many different things. Um, Gosh, I'll just say some that like come, you know, come off the top. One that I learned that I didn't expect to learn that's always surprising and that I am consistently told is I hear so much from men after the session saying, I didn't realize how much I needed connection with other men. That is something that I wouldn't have ever anticipated. And that is like, you know, like clockwork, almost like in a movie when someone's like, all right, three, two, one, this person's going to walk up to me and tap me on the shoulder and say this. Like after a session, I hear that every time so that's something that's been just really fascinating that you know obviously is a common experience um so that's one uh gosh I think another is just I'm consistently amazed by how quickly a group can get into a highly connected state like I know it's possible because I've seen it and facilitated it hundreds of times but every time it happens it's just as magical as the first time for me like that that within you know if i'm going on the longer side 20 minutes you can have a gigantic shift with a group of people and you know it can be like it can be a group of people i got to do a session where there are people from like 50 plus countries in the room it like it doesn't matter it can be you know a, a ypo chapter it can be an event with people from all over the world in different countries it can be a younger group, an older group, like just consistently, totally not relevant to who is in the group, just the magic of what you with a group. It's consistently like possible to really deeply connect a group of people so quickly. And so that just like always amazes me, gives me the chills and gives me such a positive feeling for like humanity and what's possible on our planet, because I'm just consistently reminded like, oh. There can be such instantaneous change so quickly. And, you know, we think that change has to be like linear and slow. And just this, the sessions just always blow me away. How quickly a group can get into super deep harmony and synergy in a genuine way. Like that's a hundred percent real for the people creating it together and experiencing it. So that one always blows me away.
1: I, I wonder how much of that is, um, I, you'll probably know the quote better than me. Of someone said, like, if if you let me like play with someone for a few minutes versus whatever that thing is, what what's the quote? Yeah, so yeah. I don't okay. It.
0: So I think the quote is attributed to Plato, and I think it is. You can learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation.
1: Yes, that sounds right. And yeah. so I mean, I feel that you most likely have proved that time and time and time again. Was that part of the intention is like, I need to get people playing here.
0: So the intention was always to have arcs of energy. That was like the foundational intention was that it's so moving in lots of different aspects of the experience and and deep that my mate, my first intention was like, I just want to create arcs of energy so that people are not like on one energetic theme too long that they kind of feel depleted. So it was first just from an experienced design perspective of like, how do I make sure that people leave the session buzzing and not leave the session de- session depleted? And so that's how it started was like, are we going to have moments to really drop in, then we're going to have really upbeat moments that we're going to drop in and, you know, create those waves. And um, gosh, yeah, how did it, how did kids play start? That's actually a good question because I'm like I don't know because some of the activities and practices we do I know exactly when I came up with them I know exactly like the moment the thing that inspired it and kids play I actually have no idea how that one came into the, came into the mix but I'm so glad it did excuse me because it's it's such an essential ingredient it's like you know this moment where you get to kind of like throw all the puzzle pieces up and then reconfigure them in a new shape through the practices that we do next. So I'm so, it's making me actually so grateful that Kids Play did come into the mix. Like, I don't know what the experience would be without that. It's such, it's so part of the recipe. But yeah. So for someone for no someone who's listening
1: how. who has no idea what we're talking about, because I realized I, like, I, I didn't give that much context, but like my experience, uh, and again, I'm, I'm assuming like how big are the groups generally that are participating these kind of experiences
0: so it ranges um you know it could be anywhere from like a thousand people doing a session and it can easily be more uh it could i have a really clear map of how it could scale to like ten thousand people all participating in the same you know venue simultaneously but right now it tends to be like you know groups close to a thousand size um all the way down to really small if it's a group that knows each other very well like you know a really tight YPO chapter or EO or something like that, then, you know, of these small groups too, maybe like 30 people. So that's kind of the range.
1: Amazing. So you get these groups together and then you move them through a series of exercises or play or whatever we want to call it. And generally speaking, is it, I can't remember how long was it? Is it, you know, generally under an hour? Yeah, it's
0: around like, it's around like 90 minutes to two hours, depending on the event.
1: Okay. Yeah. Time flies. So I have no concept of time when I'm doing it. So, um, (laughs) and so again, it's like you're moving people through different aspects. And so when you were talking about child's play, are you comfortable kind of talking about what that is specifically? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. So kids play is an activity that we do in magic of human connection, uh, kind of early on in the session. And the idea is that because the whole session is about helping people tap into optimal connection and how to really bring out like unlock the best connection potential within a group. Kids play is inspired by kids. And also it's kind of inspired by like really friendly dogs and the kids and like really friendly dogs just have this filterless way of initiating a connection with people. And, you know, you can have a kid that you've never met. And if they don't have, you know, these different social programmings that make them kind of like less in their natural kid energy, then they'll just go up to you and maybe they'll say something silly or they'll ask you a really sincere question or they'll just start making fun faces. And kids have like really no, they haven't been trained yet on like what's the quote unquote right way to meet someone. What's like the correct, you know, in quotes, series of interactions to have before I can be fully myself with someone. Kids start being fully themselves and that's like, the launch pad of the interaction or the relationship. And so kids play is an activity that we do in the session to really help everyone in the group, like get rid of those social pressures or anxieties or frameworks that you might be coming into the session with of here's how I should present myself. Here's how I should gradually get to know someone. It's like the session is about like getting rid of the gradual part of connection and just like how can we accelerate connection? And so a lot of things we do as adults tend to kind of put us on a connection timeline that's slower than it needs to be. So for Kids Play, we basically um, put on really fun music and have different prompts and, and you can't use any language that exists. And we invite people to play in all these different ways, You know, whether that's having a slow motion lightsaber fight, whether that's making of a language, whether that's creating a game that you've never played before, but you and your partner all of a sudden invent something fun and silly. So kids play is just this creative lab. Labora- you know, Einstein said play is the highest form of research. So kids play is like this research laboratory where you get to discover, like if I was being spontaneous, if I was being connected to my creativity, if I had no preconceived ideas about how me and this other person could relate and could find like our optimal joy and connection and interaction, like what would I try? So it's this blank canvas where people get to just yeah try things and and discover and free themselves from the pressure which i think is where a lot of social anxiety comes from is feeling like there, there's one right way let me do it the right way so one one thing also too that i have heard that i really appreciate is that people who are you know prone to social anxiety will say like i thought this session would give me social anxiety because it's hyper focused on connection but it did the opposite and so that's really the goal is you know, to eliminate the things that interfere with connection. So that's how we do kids play.
1: Amazing. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. one of the, it was one of the mon- more fun parts for me and also harder to break out at first of like, what am I doing? But to that, yeah, like totally. for, people, for people that are really inspired by the idea of saying, Hey, like I do know I crave more connection and I do uh-huh. know that I want to inject more play into my life or into my communities what what advice do you have for someone that wants to take some of your learnings and apply them to their life and bring more of that?
0: Oh, this is such a good question. Okay. Can I put a pin in this question? Because before we move on from one thing you said, can I just ask you, do you remember any of the activities you did in kids play? Like any of not necessarily activities that I said, but like, do you remember any little moments of like, I met this person and we had this moment? Or are you able to remember like any specific little glimpses into oh okay can you share
1: yeah and I think it was during kids play specifically but I remember there was a lot of crawling around like animals (laughs) and there was specifically like there's one person who I've always just found really intimidating and when I went by her and I saw her face like just childlike and we like hugged and I don't think I've ever spoken to her before we like hugged like we were you even said like like some like you could also be like old friends and stuff and so I think like that inspired that piece, and it was just this weird like, wow, all of that illusion or like that that sense of I'm distant from this person, I'm not part of their tribe, I'm whatever that is, that lack of safety, it like melted in an instant when I could feel the energy of someone who was playing. I was like, I don't care what they do. Again, it just it was such an interesting moment. Um, and then there was a lot of like holding hands with people that I didn't know and just jumping around and laughing a lot.
0: Oh, this yeah. is so delightful to hear about. Oh my yeah. goodness.
1: Yeah, it definitely like it, I've struggled. So for, for, for background, I spent most of my teenage years with like crippling social anxiety. So I've really, really had a hard time with connecting with people and specifically summit series was probably the first community I found that was like, oh, this is my community. And even despite all that, it would still be hard cause there's hierarchies, right? There's like, oh, those are the billionaires those are the whoever's, like there's, oh, we're the the New Yorkers, the San Francisco people. There is always that little bit of division. And so like my brain is consciously almost hyper vigilant of hierarchy, right? It's like, let me quickly figure out how I group everyone, who's part of what, because there's still that fear of like the socially anxious part that's like, hey, let me not misstep and try to connect with the wrong tribe. And, you know, like something's going to happen, I'll get ousted or I'll be seen as other. And so it really just, Overwhelmed my system and turned that part off.
0: That is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is, it's so, um, such a gift for me to get to hear about your experience because you're a really, and I hope people will tell you this all the time on your podcast or that you know this, but you're a really beautiful articulator. Like you have such a, no, thank you, beautiful way of communicating your experience or your thoughts. And I'm just really enjoying it. So yeah. I'm really grateful that we're doing this podcast and I'm just, I'm loving to get to hear more about your experience. It's it's a real gift for me. So thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Same here. This is, I, I, because this is a topic that's been so hard for me. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't, I don't, whenever I mention this piece where I'm like, hey, I have a hard time connecting, everyone's like, bullshit. And I'm like, well, it's because I've worked really hard over the last three decades to figure out what was stopping me, what was stopping me from connecting. And so, what I also would say for context is I imagine other people that have gone from social anxiety to being functional in social settings, they have done it through a form of self-abuse, right? And what, what yeah, I think yeah. your experience is it's actually a, more like a loving environment. Like, this is playful. Yeah. This is fun. I would force myself to go to networking events. I would force myself to go to places I didn't want to be. And the negative self-talk was so harsh. It would be like, hey, you have to connect with someone. You have to push yourself. Get off the wall. Go do the thing, right? And I haven't thought about it that way, but that was what I think also really stood out for me is for the, little did I know this was going to be a podcast about my crippling social anxiety, but I'm okay with it. I'm, it's good. Like you know, Let's go there. I imagine that it's it's relatable for a lot of people is it is not easy to make new connections. So the point where I would say any new conference I went to, if I met one new person, it was a, it was a great success. So that's the difference of like I go in, I'm Literally holding that bar if i have made one new friend win. And then I go and do something like what you did, which was really based more in light and fun and play. And I'm like, wow, I have all these people for the rest of the time that I'm here, for the next four days, if I see any of the people I made faces with, I will feel safe enough to sit with them and to play and to say something fun. And it just broke the ice. So I had not realized that that's partly why I probably connected with this so much because I, I never really knew how to do it in a loving way, how to connect with people in a really okay. loving way.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's the spirit of the experience in, you know, being like a lover of learning and a lover of, you know, experiences and, and facilitation. I've tried so many different things. And I noticed that a lot of teachers would feel like the main tool in their toolkit was pushing people out of their comfort zone to create transformation. And so my philosophy has always been that you know, the session is not designed to push people out of their comfort zone. And my belief is that the most transformational thing I can do is actually create a comfort zone with a group of people and then show people what that feels like. And just through being in a comfort zone, that's how people will feel the transformation. So I have like, you know, an opposite approach. And I feel like what you're describing is that, is that it's giving people that comfort zone and then getting to feel oh wow I just made friends with this girl who you know maybe seemed intimidating before or I'm not doing that hierarchy analysis in my brain like I've I've overrided that and now I'm just connecting freely like that's what it's really meant to facilitate so yeah I'm a I'm a big believer that like life has enough difficult I'm on the one hand I'm a believer in like pushing yourself and I so much of my training that's been so valuable has been like you know, learning to do things that I didn't know how to do before. And there's always a growth edge there. But the flip side is like, I feel like it's so valuable just to learn how to create cohesion and harmony and that life gives us a lot of opportunities to be uncomfortable. And so not yeah, every I think I, uh, training has I, to have that.
1: I saw gabramate Mate talking about that with raising children, where I think a lot of parents say, yeah, I have to you know, give the the hard feedback at times, and he said exactly that. He's like, life is full of so much hardship and discomfort that you don't need to do any more of that. You can, you can, you can be the loving. You can be the loving usher of the experience. So, um, I, I I really like that side of it. And and I'm actually gonna ask a meta question before we move on to what I asked before, which is, so you do the best question Aikido of anyone I've ever seen or had on the podcast, which is many people are many people don't ask anything in response, which is fine. And that's okay, because I'm actually really interested in who you are. And I'm happy to highlight that. Many people ask a question after they've answered the question. You're the only person who consistently asks the question before you answer it, which is very interesting. And so I'm wondering, is that intentional? Is that something you learned as a way to connect? Uh, what, where did that come from?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, honestly, I was just following my curiosity. Like you would ask me a question and I thought, you know, like, where where's the spark in this moment? Is the spark for me to answer it? Or is the spark that I'm just, I'm really curious, actually, what's your experience there? So uh, it's not an intentional framework. I was just following my curiosity in the moment.
1: I love that. I just think like somehow. And thank
0: you for the question Aikido Uh, compliment. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I think like that if there's something I take away is that I, I notice I feel very connected to you. There are times where I do an interview and I feel like it's like playing volleyball against the, the empty court on the other side where you just keep volleying questions and no one's hitting anything back. You're the first person who I go to, I go to serve it and you spike it back on me before I, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> that was so good. It was so oh, good. And it fun. really, it creates a little bit more of like dynamism and, and fun. And it pulls me out of my comfort zone a little bit because I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that, but also kind of brings the conversation to a different place. So I just want to reflect that that also, you may just have these like incredible aptitudes for how to really make the other person feel seen. And connected so just wanted to note that so that kind of answered one of my questions is how do you create more connection maybe volley the question back at the person when they ask it right
0: well also too i want to say that you are doing something that's really facilitating the connection for me in our time together right now which is that you said and i think which is actually opening the space for the volleys is that you said hey you know I'm I'm here to be like present in the moment. I don't have like a script of different questions that I'm just gonna check off and then we'll go to the next one. So I feel like that organic like presence that you brought to the call is really creating that space for us to do that versus like, okay, next question, next question. Like, I feel like you're just here with me and we're both in discovery and we both just wanna have a beautiful time together and have a meaningful time together and connect and create value for anyone who's listening. And so I feel like our shared intention is here, but like the balance of like structure and agenda feels good. Like it feels like there's structure but not like such a rigid agenda that we can't have our our organic genius come through together.
1: Well, before you answer the question then because I feel like there's so many meta lessons in here for people listening. I do think Without knowing it, that is. A, I believe that that's a great way to create connection. It's like bring structure and then know when to leave that structure, and know when to like catch the moment. And that may be part of what makes you so incredible at fostering connection. Is hey, I know we were maybe going to talk about that, but I have a spark of intuition and a spark of curiosity, and I'm going to follow the spark. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow that thing. So uh, I, I wish that for everyone listening. Even if that was the one thing you took from this, just follow those sparks of curiosity. they'll, they'll lead you somewhere really cool. And with that, I, I I am curious what what does come up for you around the advice you would offer people that want more of that in their life.
0: Yeah, okay. Awesome. Thanks for keeping track. Speaking of uh, being the architect, thanks for keeping track of the structure and and not losing the thread. Um. So my advice for people who want to experience more connection. Well, I love what you said first, you know, just I love that you already found a piece of advice in what we were just talking about. So I feel like that's such a good starting point. And then one thing that I like to do, I was coaching um, a friend yesterday kind of about this. He was like, hey, I I, actually, he was actually at Summit um, and he was saying, I felt so connected. Like after session, I did all these things. And I feel like I've just gradually kind of gone back into the habits of everyone around. me. Like in his heart, he's like a bright light and he's such a connector, but I think One thing I just want to say for people who are having, you know, feeling like they're not at their connection potential or they're just wanting more is like, give yourself like, don't be hard on yourself. Give yourself space because it's really hard to be a leader and to lead connection and initiate it in a world that is not like at the same level of initiation that you are. So our world, you know, whatever, on a scale of one to 100, like it's a certain number of how much connection potential the baseline of the people around you are living in. Like if you walk down the street in New York, there's a certain level. Let's just say it's like 20% connection potential, just making up a number. If you're trying to be really highly connected or you are craving that connection and you're trying to be maybe at a 50, it's really hard to like consistently initiate to a world that has like a lot of 20% energy. And so the first thing I always like to tell people is, like, take the pressure off because it's much easier to be in a room full of people who are all at that 50 percent level and just align with the group energy than it is to be like a visionary and be on the leading edge and try to bring people along for the ride with you. So that's the first thing I always say is, like, if you feel like you're not hitting your connection potential or you want more, like, just don't feel bad personally because so much of that is just a reflection of the lack of cultural training and rituals and skill sets and habits that is just missing in our culture. So I like to kind of depersonalize it so people don't think, oh, it's me. Like when you said, you know, about your kind of social anxiety when you're younger, I feel like social anxiety is a natural response to an unhealthy social system. So I don't, I don't see it as a, something that's personal to the individual I see it as like oh that's a natural response that our culture isn't set up in a way that's aligned with our true nature for how we connect and so obviously that would be uncomfortable and it's more uncomfortable for different people in different ways but that's my broad kind of take on social anxiety and connection and then I want to give like specific actionable things but does that what do you think about that is that does that make sense? Is it Does it resonate as someone who had that experience when you were younger? Like,
1: Yeah, I mean, also uh, the validation of like, that's a perfectly expected and normal response to the structure you're in. That feels really nice, right? It's nice to be like, hey, that wasn't, because I've always internalized it as like, that's something wrong with me, versus like, that's actually a healthy human response to an unhealthy system.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a great so, uh, quote. I think it's Krishna Murthy who said, It's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Yeah. And yeah. I I kind of I think about social anxiety a lot like that. Like, yeah, uh, your feelings make sense. So, yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's so I, the broad
1: question. I, I, I appreciated that very much. Yeah, I'd love to hear some of the nuggets, some of like the, you know, Like top three things, if someone wanted to really change the way that they're connecting with their communities or inject more fun into those communities.
0: Yeah. Okay. So top three, one, I haven't thought about these three before, but I'll say the three that come to mind now. I'm sure there's, you know, in no particular order. So one is what I call the art of being a daymaker. And the art of being a daymaker is like kind of that like magical energy when you feel like I almost like to like rub my hands together and go like, ooh. And like that feeling that like something magical is about to happen. That's like the energetic quality of the art of being a day maker. It's looking for what are moments where I can move through the world. And I'm almost like, I'm almost on a secret mission. I'm almost like a magical spy. And I'm just looking for moments where I can be a little spark of delight in the world. And so it's. First of all, it's a frame of reference and like it's a, it's a filter that you're looking for opportunities and then how it actually, you know, manifests in the world. It can take so many different forms. But like one example of the art of being a daymaker is like, I had this day where like, it's very simple things, but like three little daymaker things happen. So the first one was that I saw these women paddleboarding. There was like five girls all uh, they're more women. They're probably like in you know their late 40s, but they're all in a paddle board, And they were like all trying to balance on one board and they were out very far. And it was just so cute and such a cute moment. And I knew because they were in the ocean, like they weren't going to have their phones with them. So I like took a video of them and like zoomed in really close. And then when they were close to the shore, I like yelled and waved and I said, put up your arms. And I got a picture of them all. And like, they have this really cute picture. And it was just this super easy thing to, for me to do that took 60 seconds. But it made their day. And so it, that happened. And then the same day, there was a woman who goes to this cafe where I do my work. And I saw her and she just seemed a little down. I said, how are you? We don't really know each other. Like we've said hi, basically. That's all we said before. And she just started crying and said she's having such a hard day. She's going to go for an ocean swim. So while she was swimming, I took a napkin. I wrote on a note. and I said, take it easy on yourself. Because I just tell she's being so hard on herself and just wrote a little heart. And then like three weeks later, when I saw her next, all ran up to me and she was like, I have your note on my fridge. My whole family knows about it. It made my day. Like, thank you so much. And so that happened. And then there was this woman with a really cute dog. This was later that day. And I was petting her dog. Her dog's so cute. She goes, oh, I know, but I lost the leash. You know, like I left it at the beach. And I was like, we're walking there. If we find it, Like, we're going to go to a treasure hunt, and if we find your leash, we're going to hide it next to this tree. So you can come back anytime. It'll be hidden in this tree nook if we find it. So we we ended up finding it, like, among the seaweed and hid it. And then we saw her a few weeks later, and she was like, you found my leash. So these were, like, three super simple things that hardly, like, writing the note on the um, napkin, it took 30 seconds. Taking the picture of the girls, it took 30 seconds. Finding the leash, like, we were already walking there. All we had to do is just kind of look while we were walking probably another you know two minutes and those are just super simple examples of like if you feel like you want more connection i find that the lens of like going into daymaker mode helps so much because you're not looking for the world to give you connection you're looking for a moment to contribute and to be a spark for other people and that's that puts you in the source of power of initiating the connection making the magic moments happen versus looking for like, who's going to bring it to me? Who's going to give it to me? So that that's the first one. It's, it was a longer one. It wasn't quite bite-sized. It was maybe, maybe appetizer-sized uh, advice, but yeah, the art of being a daymaker and just looking for those moments. Um, I just have a few more examples, just kind of paint the picture. Is Like, you know, another one is when I see joggers, if there's people jogging, I'll like, I'll t- or someone, you know, biking up a hill and I'm driving, like I'll cheer for them. Or if there's joggers running by, like I'll always high five the joggers. And I'm just like, you're doing great. Like, good job. Why not bring some like marathon energy and just cheer them on? So high-fiving joggers. Um, When I did live in New York, I had like kind of a practice that if I saw someone on the street crying, I would go up and ask if they wanted a hug and did that several times. And like, that was so beautiful. So yeah, the art of being a daymaker takes many forms, but the principle is just looking for those little simple moments where you're a spark in someone else's day.
1: That's really cool. I mean, I, I, more than anything, I mean, it just sounds like you're Santa Claus running around just like, here's a little gift, here's an unexpected present. And, and that idea of, I think so many of us are craving it. We're looking for the connection in the world versus like, like you said, looking for those little opportunities where it's like, wait a minute, I see a void that I can go and insert some of that magic right there. Uh, and that reminds me of this beautiful, beautiful talk by um, uh, Sadhguru. And he spoke a lot about why people wear white. Like, have you heard this talk by chance?
0: I haven't heard it. So, just tell me about so it. It's
1: so, it's so beautiful. He said, I'm so
0: curious as someone wearing a rainbow right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's also pretty cool too. But he said, what's, what's notable is, you know, white reflects all colors, black absorbs all colors. And so, again, I I'm, I'm right. in the New York outfit with all the black. But when I facilitate sound, I wear it all white generally. And the invitation was that we are oddly enough defined by what we give away, not by what we keep. So if you're someone that gives away, uh, or like you know you're very generous of spirit, it's because you don't hold on to stuff, right? If you're somebody very loving, it's not that you hoard love; you give love away. And so the white is always a reminder to me of, like, I'm measured by the fact that I'm giving it all away. People identify me with the thing that I don't hold on to, and I think that's such a beautiful reminder of that. Of how do we go around the world realizing, like, yeah, we will be defined by what we gave away, not by what you know what, what what we kept. And so I hear that a lot in this daymaker concept. I'm like, that is so awesome. Usually I think of these grand gestures because of course I have to like be that kind of person. But the little reminder of like, wow, there have been so many opportunities in the last couple of months I could think of where I'm like, yeah, I saw someone that looked confused. They were like looking around on the street. It's like, I could have just stopped and like, where are you trying to go, right? No effort, no effort, big impact. So that is such a beautiful invitation.
0: I love that story so much about, the way and really being defined by like what you actually share and give, and ha- as you we were sharing it, I was like, "This is a great podcast." I was like, "Oh yeah, we're recording this podcast." I just felt like I was listening to it. Great- I was like, "I love this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad I found this episode."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so That's good. Amazing. So so good. You know, one of my favorite quotes is like, "I believe it is from the Bible," and I only know the gist of the quote, but the idea of the quote is like. If you give what you have in your heart, it'll save you. If you don't give you what you have in your heart, it'll destroy you. And destroy is like a very dramatic word. But at the same time, it's like the fulfillment, like you were saying, of it's like so fulfilling when you're like, yeah, I like, I brought it. I gave what I had to give. Like, it's so fulfilling. So
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been playing a lot with this concept lately of what would I do differently if I believed that I'd always have enough? And trying to lock that in, in those moments when I can almost like catch through mindfulness, like I'm about to make a scarce choice. I'm about to make the there's not enough choice. Can I just, even if I don't believe it in the moment, can I choose the abundant answer of there will always be enough? And it's funny because it always flows back in. It always is like, there's, what is it? Uh, You know, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So it's like, as we give it away, it all just flows in from behind anyway, so it's, it's really spectacular. See, I'm inspired. This is like, I mean, I, I hope you're going to be on the boat. Are you going to be at Summit at Sea?
0: So the event with all the Virgin Galactic astronauts and everything space-related and the overview effect, that overlaps with Summit at Sea because that is when the solar eclipses. So I won't be there, but oh, I'm just sending my love to everyone. I've met so many amazing friends. Through that You'll, event, be so. You'll be missed. You'll oh, be missed. But hopefully soon you. enough,
1: it'd be it'd be great to get to participate again. And uh, before we wrap this up, and I have to try to land all my millions of thoughts because I still have so many questions. Um,
0: Stick the landing. <laughs> yeah.
1: What What is your dream beyond? Like you've you've clearly helped so many people and done so much amazing stuff. What do you dream about?
0: Oh my goodness. So. Thank you for asking that question. Um, I always love to kind of feel into the stream. So thanks for giving me the space and asking that one. It's a really good one. My dream beyond, I, okay. So technologically we have transformed so much that if we could time travel and talk to someone 200 years ago, they wouldn't believe even just what we're doing right now, that we're having this call. And that you and I can see each other from across the country in real time and that sound and video and images all traveling, like just the fact that this call would be and that we're doing it on a computer, like what's a computer? What's the internet? How does FaceTime work? It would be so beyond comprehension what we've done technologically, even just in 200 years. And so I love to think about if we could time travel again, talk to one of those people 200 years ago and explain to them what we do relationally now and how how our mental health has changed, how the way that different countries treat each other, they would be like, yeah, I totally get it. Nothing, nothing new. Like there wouldn't be this big gap between you know what we do now, what we do 200 years ago. And so I like to take inspiration for how much we've grown technologically. And my dream beyond is what would it look like if in 200 years we can evolve so much relationally that it would be shocking to present day humans and so, you know, I like to think like, oh, wow, maybe in 200 years, we've evolved our relational technologies so much that people are like, oh, yeah, in the future, like another human hasn't killed another human in like 100 years. Like that that doesn't happen anymore. We have incredible love, compassion, conflict resolution. We have all these systems, all these structures, all these social values that that just that went extinct like 100 years ago. Or, you know, maybe it's that like there's no more suicide because mental health is so thriving and that people collectively have learned how to create that and support each other in that. Um, You know, so I just like to imagine my dream beyond is like, wow, what would that look like in, you know, 200 years where we've hit this exponential curve? Like basically humanity hasn't hit our relational exponential curve. We've hit our technological exponential curve. And so I just I love to imagine and I want to play my part in helping our planet really hit that relational exponential curve, so that we really do things beyond what we can even imagine now. But with our relational capacity, with our relational intelligence, um, in how we all love each other and treat each other, so that's my dream beyond is being being a component in uh, you know creating that world peace and uh, maximize potential for for our hearts and for our relational like mastery.
1: I like it. I'm just sitting with it cuz I'm <laughs> like I think I think that's my dream beyond now. <laughs>
0: I, think, I think
1: that sounds incredible. Like really to to flash forward 200 years. I love that relational technology, right? Like how we really connect with each other. So that is a that's a beautiful way to land it and I just wanted to share a couple of things that really stuck out to me, which is for the men listening just how much we may need connection. I I really think that was a a, a beautiful reminder of yeah, it's uh. In fact, when when I, when I was in your experience, you know how when you do the hug angels, and it's like you know people are hugging each other. One group is has their eye closed, eyes closed, and the other group is coming around and hugging. Someone snuck their eyes open because I gave someone a hug, and later in the day he ran over and he's like, "You give good hugs," and I was like, "Hey, you weren't supposed to look," but it it was like that moment of as a man to say that to another man, it's something that's pretty uncommon. It's something that we don't normally say. And it was like, cool, I actually felt that that person really needed connection in that moment. I could feel that it's like, there's a difference between being held by the masculine, being held by like, I got you, like it's okay. Um, and so yeah, I just wanna punctuate that, that I, I love what you said about that. And it is again, just a great reminder. More kids play, just find more times. It's I'm actually gonna be a dad in August. So I'll get actual kids play for the first time. And I wonder if on some level that's why parents are just happy playing with their kids because they also get to be a kid. So uh, more to that literally, metaphorically in all the ways. Um, and then just that beautiful invitation of be a daymaker for people. Like, what a fun game to play. I almost want to make that one of my KPIs. It's like, how many daymaker acts have I taken? And just measuring on those days, do I feel better on the you know than on the days when I don't? I already know the answer to that. Would just be fun. So then like compete with friends and be like, let's all just see who could do little acts of of kindness for other people. So thank you for that inspiration. Again, I I love your work. I love what you do. Um, and I'm just grateful for the fact that you you just keep on investing in that emotional technology for all of us. You are you are uh creating billions and billions of dollars of emotional value. You are like a you're you're an emotional entrepreneur just crushing it.
0: Oh my gosh, Nick, this has been so fun. So joyful. Eiler, and thank you for kind of, you know, helping us tie a beautiful bow on everything that we've talked about. And I love those takeaways and you are going to be the most extraordinary dad. So like, truly congratulations to your kids who chose you as their dad. Oh, I can't, I just. I can't wait to hear more about that and follow you on that journey. And I love the idea of competing as daymakers or kind of like having a challenge with friends. And so feel free, like the next time you do like the very next daymaker thing that you do where you're like, ah, I did it. Like text me and tell me about it because I want to hear it will and do. celebrate it with you.
1: I will definitely do that. That sounds amazing. And if you're interested in, in, in learning more about Jessica and her work, you could check out themagic.love, which is her website. You could also check out her Instagram, which we'll put in the show notes. And I just hope that you're all as inspired as I am right now of like, just go and connect, have more fun and just enjoy your life more. So Jessica, thank you so much for being here.
0: Oh, Nick, thank you so much. And I will say too, actually, one thing that I'm going to be doing is um, free virtual sessions. So virtual connection experiences, they're so fun. Like I didn't think virtual would be fun they're so fun. They're so nourishing. So I'm going to start hosting those too. So for anyone listening, if you know, we're not in the same place, if you're not at an event where Magic of Human Connection is happening, this is a way for you to get those soul nutrients, tap into that energy. So if you go to the website and sign up for the email list, you'll get those invitations for these free virtual connection sessions too.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Please send us info on that and we'll, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Again, thank you for oh, being sweet. here.
0: Yes, and thank you for everyone listening. Oh my gosh, what a joy to have this time with you all. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope that this uh, was a bright spark in your day.
1: Awesome. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Instagram.com slash LinkedIn.com slash in slash or YouTube.com slash